Miracy. It was very aspirational. It was nicely designed. It was come on this and you can transform your life if you want to. And that kind of sealed the deal, if you like, for everybody. And it helped me manage expectations going forward. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches course creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, founder and CEO at Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, who is the co-founder of Rizuku. In each episode, we showcase a course and course creator who is doing something really interesting with their course. Our guest today is Mel Stanley. She is a personal brand and marketing strategist and founder of First Woman, a coaching practice. Mel, welcome to Course Lab. Hi, Danny. So we're really excited to have you on the show. Let's start at 30,000 feet. Who are you? What do you do? How did you come to be doing it? I had worked 25 years probably in marketing and brand within big agencies within London and also as a chief strategy officer and head of marketing and brand at a large utility in the UK. It was interesting because how I found my purpose was when I was perhaps similar to where you are, agency land is full of very strong females. But when I went into the corporate world, which was really my last two jobs, I discovered that that wasn't the case, that there were many really super talented women, but they were a kind of critical mass that was stuck in mid-management level. Very few CEOs, very few board members other than the tokenist HR director. And I found myself in that pattern being subjected to not being promoted and being held back and put on course after course after course because I needed to develop in this area and that area. And it was very frustrating. And I was watching male colleagues, um, you know, doing much better. And the thing was, at the time, I had a really strong personal brand. I had got my job through my brand and through LinkedIn because mostly I was interviewed via LinkedIn Messenger. So. I was very clear what I was about. And when I was employed there, they were very clear what I was about. But somehow I couldn't break through. And of course, we know it as the glass ceiling. So I decided to combine what I knew best, so brand and marketing, with my passion for supporting female talent. And so no surprise, that's what my coaching practice is, because it's my honest belief that if we don't get more female senior leaders, if we don't get more board level women, then they are not going to be in the position to be able to make the decisions and have the influence that we all need for gender equality within the workplace. So that's why I started First Woman. Awesome. And so how did you go from the coaching practice to a course? Lockdown, if I'm honest. <laughs> because I started in September 2019, my proposition at the time was half-day workshops face-to-face. And um, of course, when the UK entered lockdown in March 2020, I watched my workshops being cancelled almost overnight. My revenue stream completely dried up. So like everybody, I had to pivot pretty quickly to starting to create a virtual coaching practice, which after I stopped panicking, I did successfully. Fantastic. Awesome. So tell us about the journey from the light bulb moment of, I think there's room for an online course. I think there's an opportunity for me to create one to how did you go about planning it, designing it, specking it out, running your first version? What did you price it at? How many spots did you fill? Tell us all about that journey. 
I knew that the first thing to do was to interview the women that I wanted to sell this course to. So the way I did it principally was through speed coaching, as I called it. I sent an email out to my base offering 20 minutes free speed coaching, and they just needed to bring me a problem that we could solve. And I was very clear that this is quid pro quo. There's a a value exchange here. So I said, tell me the one thing that is getting in the way of your career progression. That was the question. I did that on my email and I posted that on my LinkedIn profile. And over the course of about a month, I had 20 people, 20 women in my target group sign up for these speed coaching sessions. My promise back to them was, we'll debate this, I'll try and help you solve it, and you will come away with a plan of a few ideas and tips of what you could do to overcome this. And what I get out of it is insight about the problems that women are facing in the workplace and the things that are really getting in their way of being promoted or going for new jobs or whatever it might be. So that was the premise. I wrote down all the problem language and I was able to distill all of the conversations into kind of four or five major areas of challenge. Uh, A lot of it was about confidence, not wanting to self-promote, not feeling like they could step up into a leadership role, so not being perceived as a leader, being intimidated by authority and male-dominated organizations, all of these kind of things. And then I put it out on a poll on LinkedIn and said, you know, these are the four things, five things I've identified. Come on, network, what do you identify with? And again, the vast majority of the votes focused in on confidence and self-promotion. I think they accounted for about 60 or 70% of the votes. And so I decided, right, that's what the course has got to be. It's got to be about building confidence um, and encouraging women to be able to self-promote, talk about their achievements, do a really cracking elevator pitch, all of these things that they shied away from. And what the course tries to do is to bring that out. So the speed coaching was absolutely wonderful in terms of generating the content ideas for the course, because I was able to then break it down into four modules, which attacked each of these themes and provided solutions for them. Speed coaching was the door opener to everything because it made the content relevant. It made the language and the vernacular relevant. It also confirmed that the problem was there and that I was talking to the right audience. So that was the key thing. And then the course itself was pretty intense, deliberately so. I did four group sessions, 10 women signed up to the pilot. Eight of those were from speed coaching. I did 30 minutes one-to-one coaching with each of them in between those group sessions in order to discuss and refine the coursework that they were given. And of course, I got lots and lots of feedback during those one-to-one sessions, because I always asked you know, five, 10 minutes at the end, so how are you finding it? What's good? What's bad? What, you know, what do we stop, start and continue? So each time I could refine it and get better and better. And then the feedback was amazing. What were some of the things that you learned during the pilot? Like what worked well and, and what were areas where you felt like you needed to kind of iterate or improve on things based on how things went in the pilot? The feedback was they wanted less presentation content, so less learning and more interaction, more opportunity to 
discuss the coursework with each other and more opportunity to discuss the content of the lessons with each other. But, you know, the thing is that it's quite a big subject. And I was trying to run the groups at 45 minutes, trying to fit it in over people's lunch times to make it easy for them to be able to attend every Tuesday at 12.30, because it's quite a commitment. So I thought I was doing everybody a favour by making it shorter. In actual fact, what they wanted was longer, so they could have more chat. But what I ended up doing was I created a LinkedIn group, a messaging group, so um, called The First Women. And now everybody's on that. They use that to message each other and talk about what they're doing. So that's, that was the thing that was missing. And that's the thing that I'm going to take forward into the next course was somehow I need to find a mechanic for them to be able to interact when it wasn't really quite possible to do it over Zoom. I understand you also use kind of a playbook structure in the course that was pretty effective. Yes, yes, that's right. So after I'd done the speed coaching, I wanted to be quite clear on what the course was about. So I had sent out the email and said, this is broadly what I'm thinking of doing. This is the plan for the content. These are the lessons. This is what we're going to attack. And then when I had it more distilled in my mind, I created just a very simple PDF, which was four pages with inspirational quotes in it, but also the lesson structure. So it was very aspirational. It was nicely designed. It was come on this and you can transform your life if you want to. And that kind of was the sealed the deal, if you like, for everybody. And it helped me manage expectations going forward because the lesson plans were pretty much what was in that PDF. Now, had they come back and said, well, I don't like this bit or can we do that instead? I would have had a rethink. But again, because the speed coaching was so insightful, I kind of knew I was where I needed to go with it. Because I'd listened to them and they told me what they wanted to do, in effect, through the speed coaching. So I was pushing an open door in respect to the course content. And the playbook was just the, as I say, the icing on the cake, really. Very cool. Danny, do you have other questions? No, I was just thinking that was great, but also very like thorough and concise. Mel, you did a great job of walking us through kind of the whole story. Thank you. Awesome. So Abe, do you want to do the readout? Yeah, let's do it. Mel Stanley is a personal brand and marketing strategist and founder of First Woman, a coaching practice. You can find her at firstwoman.rocks. That's firstwoman.rocks. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the very best insights and practical takeaways for you to take and apply to your own course. So Mel had quite the story to share. Abe, what jumped out to you that was really interesting and noteworthy? The first thing, which is a bit kind of higher level than the specific tactics she used in her course, is just something we've talked about before, which is the importance of mission and passion for what you're doing. There's a a saying in Silicon Valley that missionaries will generally beat mercenaries, right, in terms of having a successful startup or business. And I think that applies to course businesses too, right? Like it matters that you really care very passionately about what you're doing and how your course is going to help people. And that's something that Mel really has in spades. This is something that's deeply grounded in her background and personal experience. And she really wants to see transformation and change in each of her clients. And that's driving her to 
create a course that is meaningful, right? As opposed to, you know, just creating a course because you see a market opportunity or because you have a business that's working and you could add a course to it. So yeah, just the importance of really following a, a mission that's meaningful to you and letting that flow through the course design was the first thing that jumped out. Yeah, and that passion also led her to really embrace and throw herself into the process. You could tell that she wasn't just going through the motions of, okay, I've got to do some market research. I've got to talk to some people. Like everything she did, she was like, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get every bit of juice that I can. Whereas the concept of speed coaching or laser coaching, these 20 minute calls, you know, that's not super novel. That's what we teach to all of our students. But she was super focused about it, really clear promise. You know, you're going to get one thing that is going to help you unblock something that's getting in the way of your career progression. And it's noteworthy that she didn't have a large audience, she didn't have a large email list, but she had a clear and focused and relevant promise. And so people raised their hand and said, yes, I'm interested. And she really insisted on that clarity of focus. What is the one thing? And she got her list of, you know, what are the the top five things that people seem to want? And she put that to her audience saying, which of these is most important to you? And that brought her to that clarity. And that brought her to a place of, okay, now I know what to make the course about, but she continued to leverage that resource, right? In terms of all those conversations she had, that became referral sources and some of them became clients and the flywheel kept on going. And I guess what underlies all of that is the fact that the process is effective and you have to take the steps. And if you give them your all, you will get all you can from them. But at the end of the day, you also need intellectual property or subject matter knowledge that makes a difference because none of this would have worked if people got on the calls with her and her advice wasn't helpful or they took her course and it just wasn't able to yield results for them in their careers. Right. Hand in hand with that is how focused she was on coaching as an approach. In some ways, as much as we talk about courses and people get excited about the scalability of courses, in some ways it, it can be a bit myopic to think of courses from the only standpoint of traditional teaching or providing structure and content. While that is important, really what we want is for our students to get results. And we know from many painful experiences that just providing good content often isn't enough to do that. And so there are many approaches you can try to get better engagement, to create more accountability, to lead your your students to meaningful outcomes. But coaching is often one of the most effective. And yet as simple as that is, it often gets lost in the idea of thinking, oh, I need to create a course and the course itself is the product or the deliverable. But simply focusing on coaching and how you can interact with and guide your students personally can make all the difference. Yeah, I mean, you and I have had I don't know how many conversations about this, but as much as I love online courses and the transformation that they can deliver and the opportunities that they create, I mean, I've devoted my career to building, selling, teaching other people how to do the same with online courses. I don't love the label of online course because it conjures to mind this very limited idea of a bunch of videos and a membership site, people going through it on their own time, et cetera. And in terms of a banner for what people should be thinking about, it's really a transformative learning journey, which will include whatever modalities and components we need, as long as they are structured, formulaic, and scalably, cost-effectively scalable as more people come in and the math continues to make sense. So I really like the way that, I don't know if Mel ever thought of that explicitly. I certainly never had that conversation with her, but that idea was clearly internalized. 
she wasn't looking for, well, how can I create some videos in a membership site and set it and forget it and make money while I sleep and all the buzz phrases. She did give thought to scalability and the fact that if content is pre-recorded, it would be more cost-effective, et cetera. But she was really thinking about, well, what, what can I put on the table that will deliver a real meaningful transformative outcome for my students? And that's a big part of what's responsible for her success. I think it's time for a new term. We need to start figuring out what's the next term that replaces courses. Do you think transformative learning journey is going to catch on? Or maybe we need something a little, pun- a little punchier? Bit of a mouthful. Uh, TLJ. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll keep we'll keep working on that. But it, I mean, it really is true. Like in some ways, the the idea of a course or that being the mental model is it can be limiting in a way, right? And so we're going through these gymnastics of like, yeah, it's a course, but don't think of it as just a course. There are these seventeen other things you could do to make it really effective for people. Maybe we should be encouraging people not to think of it as a course per se. It's just that concept is so entrenched in our culture; it's a little hard to work around. But it's the label, right? Like that's the thing. It's the, yeah, it's the label. All right, we'll sleep on that. You want to read us out? Okay. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder of Rizuku, here with Danny Eaney, CEO and founder of Miracy. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. VC Lance and Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eaney is our executive producer. Big thanks to Mel Stanley for taking the time to share her passion about her course. You can find out more about her at firstwoman.rocks. That's firstwoman.rocks. Don't forget to tune in to Miracy's podcast, Making It. In each episode, a successful entrepreneur will share what making it means to them and what they have learned along the way. Make sure you don't miss the really great episodes coming up on Course Lab. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please leave us a star review. It's the best way to help us get these ideas to more people. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. You kind of anticipated and made unnecessary any, any follow-up questions that we might have asked. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's but, great. It, it's great. It works out. I'm so super passionate about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the other thing is, I've loved doing it. Absolutely loved doing it. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show, I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great framing. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay. So while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah. Because... 
we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness, fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.